Did you just fall into a box of toys? No, I just took the lid off of the box of toys and it everything slid to the side. The coolest oh. of fates. While trying to find a minicon. Oh, hi, Panhandler. He'll do. <laughs> He's got the best name. Alright. Uh, are we ready to start? Yes. Sure. Alright. Yep. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Unicron Trilogy Podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And yes, today, after, uh, remember we did uh, Robots in Disguise last week, and so we continue our one episode per series journey through the dubbed anime series of the uh, early 2000s. Starting with, or, well, not starting with, because we started last week. Um, Continuing with. Continuing with this week's episode of Armada Chase. Oh. Sadly, Hello, can you go down low? What above? Yeah, I don't even was, know what I was referencing. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, unlike Beast Machines and its unreasonably pretentious episode titles, all of Armada's episodes just had single word titles, some of which made more sense than others. With one exception, the last episode was called Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's a problem. That's not a that's not a name worth breaking a a trend over. That's especially since they didn't even use the K in combat. Oh, why? Why would you even? I mean, probably because they'd get sued by Konami, a claim, uh, a claim. Yeah, and the claim's kind of gone through rights hell since they've got okay. it. So uh, we'll we'll just say they were going to be uh, sued by Shao Kahn. Ha! <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, then that's what I mean. Is why do the pun at all if you can't do it properly? Oh, and actually, I was mistaken because episode twenty-one is called "Decisive Battle." Oh, okay. That's and yet oh, and the actually, series went on for another twice as many episodes. <laughs> yes, I mean it wasn't that decisive. <laughs> it decided some things, but you know, not not everything. Oh, and actually, the first episode was called "First Encounter." Okay, so. Your first and middle and last episodes have odd names. That's sure. Whatever. I mean, is it possible that these had like these were all translated from Japanese titles? So is it possible that there's oh. one Japanese word that means decisive battle? Oh, most definitely. That's, well, there you go. That's really weird because most Japanese episode titles of anything are like life can be sacrificed for peace on earth. Yeah, they're they're like a, a half a haiku. Yeah, there there are a lot more exclamation points. I mean, clearly nobody was spending much time on this series. Decisive Battle is even weirder because the episode's Japanese title is Kizashi, which means omen. Oh. Oh. Okay. That's not a decisive battle. That's a different thing entirely. Yeah. And often the titles were not in precisely translated from Japanese. Uh, for instance, the episode Jungle, which clearly takes place in a forest. <laughs> I mean, if you live in the city, that's just as good. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a tropical element to this. This is a coniferous forest. <laughs> and the Japanese episode's title is Mamori, meaning protection, as spelled in the kanji for the show. So, oh. Yeah, they're just making shit up. Oh. <laughs> 
it's basically they they went on uh, on one of these freelance writing sites and they were like we need someone to write titles for episodes but we only want to pay for one word per episode <laughs> so that the entire project is going to cost us like 5 bucks yeah this so this ep- this series in general is kind of low budget Okay, well, yeah, in some ways, but, well, well, next episode, it, well, yeah. This is low budget. The next series was, I believe, no budget. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. th- this series is Roger Corman. The next series is Ed Wood. Well, yeah. it doesn't help that uh, Armada actually aired with some episodes with, and, and this is apparently a trend that anime has continued to the to the current day, uh, but it was fairly new then, where it airs with animation that's not quite the finalized animation. That is, in two degree, it's been going on forever. The, the, the thing now is just that there's more of an emphasis on putting out the DVDs, and you're selling those, so you might clean them up more than, well, you didn't have time to finish some shit for TV. Yeah, like, especially in some cases, because in Japan, episodes. a... a Three episode Blu-ray costs one kidney, so you know. Yes. Three episodes—that's a luxury. Yeah, that's a special one. There's also that this was airing at the same time as or before the Japanese airings in the U.S. So part of the animation might also be that just oh, well we we can give them the partially finished stuff. It's just the American airing; it doesn't matter. The real one's going to show in Japan in a few weeks. We'll finish it up by then. Yeah, I I will say that one thing that Armada definitely had over Robots in Disguise was uh, the opening sequence, which is just, like, David Kay doing a not-Megatron voice, doing some narration about what this series is about, rather than Transformers! Yeah, it's kind of a a modified instrumental version of the original theme, and it's kind of nice. Kind of a... Like a... Late 90s, early 2000s rock and roll take to Lion's 80s take in the movie. Yeah. Compared to what we're going to get in the next few episodes, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this was also the first Transformer show to air on Cartoon Network. Which also helped yeah. contribute to some of the problems, because Cartoon yeah, Network... Yeah, apparently they, they wanted yeah. it, like, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, and then they shoveled it on at, like, 6.30 in the morning, and... Yeah, it didn't, uh, like, didn't work out as well as anyone had hoped. Is that, like, is that a bad time slot? Are kids up at six in the morning now? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't remember being up that early to watch cartoons as a kid. I mean, I remember during the fourth season of Transformers, such as it was, uh, in the Tommy Kennedy years, getting up at 5.30 to watch it. Ooh, but, uh, and and oh. sitting directly in front of the television so I didn't wake everyone else in the house up. But, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, and I was like, 
nine, eight, nine, so. I don't even know what time kids go to school anymore. I'm old. Yeah, I, I know that I had to be in class at high school at like 7.30, but that was insane and. Good lord. Everyone else, yeah, it was. That's what happened to me too. Basically, my high school years consisted primarily of intense sleep deprivation. It was not good. Uh, and, but all the lower grades, like high school started first. Oh yeah. So high school I, I starts could... first because they need to send the buses back around to pick up all the middle school kids and then back around again to pick up all the, uh, grade school kids. Whereas apparently, uh, sleep researchers would tell you that you should actually be doing it the other way around because. Yeah. Teenagers naturally sleep later than small children, but 20 years ago, no one cared, and they also still do not care. Yep. There were some times when they didn't shovel the new episodes of this on at 6.30 in the morning or whenever, when they would dump, like, 20 episodes at once in a marathon on a day when nobody was watching TV because they were out doing a barbecue on Memorial Day or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was that, too. Uh, but anyway, we, uh, this, uh, unlike Roll in the Disguise, this, uh, this was dubbed in Canada by, I think, the Ocean Group? Yes, yes. well. And that means a lot of Beast Wars actors, because uh, this is Vancouver. Yep. Yay. And occasionally some crossover with other various things that were, I mean, they were doing, that was, uh, was that before Funimation started, or was that just after? I think that was just um, after Funimation started, but they hadn't gotten the foothold that they have now. So, so at the time, like, all the Gundam shows were being translated by that, you know, production company. Uh, just about anything that you would see show up on, like, Toonami was being, uh, being translated by Ocean Group. Uh, also early Dragon Ball Z. Oh, yeah. So... As as we mentioned before with with uh, Jetstorm. Well, yeah, that, that was back in the, in the Beast Wars era when they were Dragon Ball. But yeah, it's, well, Ball it's still the same that. voice group, uh, but they actually, yeah, were they Ocean Group when they were doing Beast Wars, or is it just that those people ended up? It I, was, I and uh, Ocean Group. It's uh, Ocean Productions, Inc., also known as Ocean Group, Ocean Media, or Ocean Studios. Okay. But and yeah, I think because... Funimation was hiring them to do the voice work at the time. Yeah, they they did huh. until they moved everything to Texas. Well, I yeah. think they still kept some things in Canada, but mostly it was like they, they set up their own stuff in Texas. And it, we're not talking about <laughs> Armada yet, really. But... All right, so the, the setup for this uh, this show is your it's basically your bog standard. Uh, Autobots wage their battles to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons, with the exception that both sides are fighting over a third race of teensy transformers known as the Minicons. I love Minicons. Minicons are great. Minicons Not so much are. on the show, but in general. My my Armada head cannons, man. My Armada head Actually, I think some of my Armada head cannons got like low key slid into some uh like club stuff through sharing <laughs> Much sharing them late at night with with Greg Sepulak. God, I can't so, believe the, you guys like that stupid Pokeformers bullshit for babies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. Minicons are fantastic. I love them. But that was an actual fan sentiment at the time. Oh yes. 
Yes, everyone said because, of course, Pokemon was the new popular thing still to a certain degree. And so everyone was like, oh, they and I suppose, yes, the the plot aspect of having to find them and capture them and then, you know, being using them to power up could be seen as Pokemon like. But, you know, it was its own thing. And they come in like these little baseball home plate shaped pods. Yes. <laughs> yes. They had a little M symbol on them. So the uh, the Autobots are, of course, led by Optimus Prime, voiced by uh, Gary Chalk. Mm. The Decepticons, voiced by or led by Megatron, voiced by David Kaye. Mm. Yay! Uh, rounding out the Autobot cast, we've also got uh, Hotshot, who is the Kid Appeal character. Uh, he may or may not enjoy jam. Oh, brand, <laughs> He's an idiot. The, the brand new paradigm of the Kid Appeal character. Yes. I mean, he's kind of a Cheetor. Yeah, he's a Cheeto, yeah. but he he's the one that solidified, oh, the Kid Appeal character is going to be yellow forever. Yes. The Kid Appeal character is going to be yellow and stupid until Energon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And even then, like, afterwards, I mean, Bumblebee being... Weren't they going to have, like, hot shots in animated, but... I Hasbro think so, like, yeah, and then the movie came along. Yeah, and Hasbro was like, no, make it Bumblebee to go with the movie. But, yeah, that was yeah. part of their whole, we need to make it like the movie in case the movie is a hit, but we also need yes. to make it not like the movie in case it's not a hit. <laughs> oh, it was a hit. I say pouring rum into my tea. It was a hit. Uh, we've got Red Alert, who is the serious science guy, who kind of looks like Robocop. Who is a weird character, but it, it, he did give us one of the best Transformers things ever. <laughs> the that, toy that, that would not very, shut up. <laughs> that was a very popular meme at BogCon. <laughs> yes. And the Decepticons have uh, Cyclonus, who is a helicopter and is crazy, voiced by uh, Scorpinox Don Brown. Oh. Uh, Starscream, voiced by Michael Dobson, one of the inescapable Dobson brothers. <laughs> and uh, Demolisher, who is... Kind of the token lo- super loyal guy, voiced by Canadian TV mainstay Alvin Sanders. Aha. Uh-huh. I didn't realize he was a Canadian TV mainstay. If you see a hefty black man on Canadian TV and it's not Blue Mankuma, it's Alvin Sanders. Oh. Uh, okay. Man, I love Blue Mankuma. And the Decepticons are also joined at the time uh, by Paul Dobson, voiced by uh, Tankor slash Obsidian's Paul Dobson. Wait, is uh, the wild card. You you didn't say his character name. You just said Paul Dobson twice. <laughs> oh, uh, sideways. Which is understandable. I mean, Paul Dobson. Yes. And uh, of course, we've also got a quite extensive human cast. Yeah is is it the biggest human cast? Uh, Not sort of counting G one. I think there are a ton of humans in Energon, but I've forgotten most of them. Yeah. Oh. No, there's only like three. Okay, maybe it just... Cybertron, I think, had a bigger human cast. Uh, well, Cybertron only had three guys, I think. No, wasn't it... And then, uh, yeah. at least two adults. Oh, you're, oh, you're oh, right, right. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime has a fairly substantial... Yeah, team. oh, yeah, I guess Prime like, does Prime have Prime has five. Five, yeah. Well, and once you get into... I mean, there's... I mean, I don't know, Silas, too. Uh, I was I was thinking for a second, were you including Fowler in that? But yeah, that would be including Fowler. That would be the three and, uh, kids. Marky Post. 
Yes. Yeah. Anyway, right. so our human cast, we have generic white guy Rad. He wants to tell you about the Transformers. He does indeed. <laughs> we have Alexis, who is allegedly Asian. Yeah, not... I mean, she's Asian in the way that, you know, anime tends to draw characters looking what we identify as Caucasian. And she is bossy anime girl. Yes. I mean, I was going to say, she's enough of an anime trope that I'm willing to believe she's Asian. Yeah. Well, apparently she's <laughs> supposed to be Vietnamese. I, I also, uh, I noted that in, from, from a, a modern day perspective, I would say that she is the Hermione of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, in the uh, the like show Bible, she's the daughter of Vietnamese boat people. Oh, oh huh. it's very ambitious. That yeah. might be the only time I've ever encountered an anime with a Vietnamese character in it. Oh. Wow, that's strange. And uh, Carlos Lopez, the kind of offensive Hispanic sidekick. Kind of his. Well, it depends. His voice actor, I'm guessing, actually isn't Hispanic at all. His name is Matt Hill, and oh no, he I'm looking at his uh, TF Wiki page, he is super white. Yeah, so that's offense. It's, I've heard worse. He could have been better, but he's, I mean, it's it's nice that he's like, visually, like he's not a, a white passing Latino yeah. kid, but, but yeah. Yeah, the, the accent's just a, a little comedically thick, but it's, it's not Speedy Gonzalez horrible. No, although at one point during this episode he does say holy guacamole. I I think yeah. something that I sort of a, a yardstick that I like is that the other kids don't like note this. It's not like something that that is seems to be significant to the other kids, so that's I don't know, worth something. Unlike other stereotypes that we will get into momentarily. And then we've also got, uh, fake Vulcan Vulcan Skull. skull <laughs> yes. And they are, they started off as the school, as, you know, the antagonist bully characters, but they just kind of keep hanging around. They're Vulcan Skull, although one of them is voiced by one of the ads from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh. But and yes, the, the overweight one, of course, is constantly complaining about being hungry and... Oh man. Talking about his blood sugar. Yeah. Yes. Again, it, it's, it's been worse, but it, it's not good. Oh, it's not good. Isn't it funny that he's not quite as thin as all the other characters and only ever talks about food? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was so glad when Hunk and the new Voltron did not really end up being like that past the first episode. So yeah, get used to those kids because we're see- that is most of this episode, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah, this is Chase. Uh, first aired January twenty seventh, two thousand three, thirteen years ago, which is terrifying. Ooh. And it takes place in the year twenty ten. Yes. <laughs> the far flung future <laughs> of twenty ten. It is the year twenty ten. Which is actually, I wonder if that was intentionally, in, in Japan, when they translated our season three, they said it in 2010 and just called it 2010. That like, you know, there, there's a logo for it under that name. So I, I wonder if they were doing that as an intentional sort of thing or that's just the far flung future of 2010. And 
I mean, surely, you know, the Japanese looked at that movie and thought, 2005, well, that's ridiculous. That's, that's way too close. Push it back five years. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's fine. So, yeah, we start off in the Autobot base, and the, the kids are just hanging around here because it's better than going to school or hanging around with their parents, I guess. <laughs> going to after-school programs, trying out for sports. It's important that they be there in case the Decepticons attack so they can be ineffectual and get captured. <laughs> yes. And they're or, also there with their three Minicon buddies, the street action team of Highwire, SureShock, and Grindor, who are respectively a bicycle, a uh, scooter, and a skateboard. So this is, uh, I think, the point where the... I I thought that, that Minicons as a concept were like this this huge had all this potential that got wasted and I think one of the the first things that led to their their wasting was that they do not have voices. They just beep. Yeah. And it's and not, even not even like R two D two E character beeping, it's just they kind of make mumbly beeps in the background and then somebody else says what they said. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a concept in Transformers that I'm sure will never ever come back in a future series we're going to be handling. I will say it is still handled better than this. Yes, but... <laughs> and while all this is going on, the Autobots are just fighting the Decepticons in the desolate wasteland somewhere. They really seem to be more, like, yelling at each other. <laughs> and occasionally like punching each other. Standing on different sides of a scenic, like... Western American desert area and yelling at each other. Oh, they found one of the deserted wastelands from Dragon Ball Z to fight in. <laughs> give me the minicons, Megatron. No, you give me the minicons. And also to say they're yelling at each other is implying way more passion than either Gary Chuck or David K. show in their performances. Yeah, this yeah. is... Those two are great, yeah. and they deserve the paycheck they're collecting here. Gary Chalk says, I'll never let you take our mini-cons with so little gravitas and passion that I think it retroactively made Optimus Primal less cool. You might as well be ordering lunch. No, Gary Chalk probably orders lunch more passionately than that. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) He's a big guy. I mean, not like huge, but big enough he probably has passion for his lunch. Yeah. So the the kids are trying to help out back at the base by doing stuff with the monitors, but unfortunately for them, computers, the internet. Uh, oh my god! Viruses. This computer bullshit. It's uh, uh, so, so bad. Welcome to 1995's The Net. So Alexis yeah. knows that this could computer. use uh, some eye patch, Dennis Miller. It's, it's having a problem because it keeps freezing up, which, I mean, you know, maybe you shouldn't be using Windows, like, ME. Uh, I think it looks like the installation screen for XP, like they actually pulled, like, an installation log file. It mentions the EULA. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I will give them credit for that uh, when it shows... A close-up of the screen. Now, the the UI of whatever software she's using to talk to Laserbeak, uh, being their little bird robot friend, is 
who knows who even knows where that came from. But when it starts freezing up, they do have like a close up and it is actually a command line window, oh. uh, which, you know, puts them over such things as like, I think, uh, robots in disguise. The, the older one had an instance where if you paused it, it was like IKEA instructions or something. <laughs> uh, and, and the, the classic instance of the time when Sailor Mercury was turning in a report that was actually the lyrics to Danger Zone. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is yes. But yes, this is actually like a, a command line thing that looks like it mentions like Internet Explorer version 5. Four. And so, well, 4 and 5. So it looked like it was like an update screen. Yeah. Since it's no loading NT version 5. Yeah. So, I actually took a look at it for way too long. I paused yeah. it. Just, and it's got the thing where it's got like the telltale this is happening on a Japanese computer thing where instead of having a backslash for the directory denotations, it has the yen symbol. Ooh. I, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on with that, but now I know. Thank you. And um, also, just, she's working on one laptop screen. Well, they have, like, nine blank screens above that. (laughs) So, Rad brings up what seems to be the point that, so, what they're doing involves some sort of communicating with microwaves, but apparently they're linked to the microwave transmitter through the Internet, which is like, so is the Autobot base connected to the Internet, and then that's just... Through the internet, like why? Okay, and I'm, I was I'm talking still about, recording. I was you... talking about internets. Yes, okay, yes, the internets. The internets so, just went down and are now back up because of a virus. And the virus is eating their system. The the virus is eating their program, and presumably that's referring to the program that they're using to communicate with with Laserbeak. Uh, but then it also starts uh, eating their hard drive, which I would note would be where the program was. So that's that's kind of redundant. Uh, and and at some point she announces that her startup is totally fried. And then sparkly <laughs> things start coming out of the computer. Yeah, I mean, what, they start on like... the screen, growing to take over the entire PowerPoint slide, and then it just starts growing outside of the bounds of the monitor. Yeah. And then it turns and it, it, I mean, this, this continues for like at least a minute or so of them being like, oh, what's going on? And you know, the translators having to figure out what to have people saying for this long that's just the same thing happening for. And the amazing drama of panickedly hitting a power switch over and over again and failing. Yes. A, a recurring theme in these, uh, in the Unicron trilogy shows is nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's also not how viruses or hacking work, but or at this physics. point. Yeah, at, at this point, I suppose we're dealing with like, I'm, I'm going to assume at this point it's fair to say that Sideways is almost like a supernatural Cybertronian entity. I mean, well, he's clearly a rare breed because he's showing up as rainbow colored, and you only get one of those every one in eight thousand Pokeformers. Oh, the rainbow! Yes, more, when more he, like when pride he... ways, am I right? 
Yes. When when he coalesces into an identifiable form, he's all like glowing rainbow colored. So he just shows up as gay pride sideways. It's pretty great. I want that variant. But before we get to the rainbows, like them flipping on and off the switch on the laptop doesn't work. Them hitting switches on the giant monitor where none of the screens are on doesn't work. So they fall back to the ultimate IT workforce solution, hitting thing with metal pipes. Yes. They start, which was actually an impressive series of still, I, I think, uh, then reused bits of animation, but there, there were, there were, uh, many lines in those, those panels. Oh yeah. Also, while they were smashing the computer panels, they got like yaoi tall proportions. <laughs> yes. It's like another studio just did that segment. How tall is a human body? Oh, about ten heads? How long is the torso? About five? Okay, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's good. Uh, so he, the rainbow sideways starts coming apart. He turns into like a big cult, into like a big vortex. And then this sucks the ghosts out of the kids and the minicons and makes yeah. them go... They turn like negative colored. Yeah. And but then the ghosts come out of the like the spirits come out of them like normal colored and then also the minicons, yeah. Well yeah, this all seems perfectly normal. Is isn't that like wasn't this an episode of the X Files? Uh yes, I just watched that episode where uh Mulder gets like sucked into virtual reality and <laughs> Scully ends up roundhouse kicking a bunch of sexy nurses. <laughs> this is this sounds pretty good. I haven't seen that, you know, recently but this decade. But uh, it's, it's written by William Gibson and features a hacker character named Invisigoth. Oh God, that's the William Gibson episode. <laughs> Although I, I guess this uh, of the era that this was shared is more like Digimon. Yeah, I mean, well, in fact, it's exactly Digimon because they get sucked into the digital world. They're going oh. digital. Or as they call it cyberspace, but yeah, they get sucked into the... I mean, it's actually uh, appropriate that they call it cyberspace because it's literally like space. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and this is appropriate for something related to the doings of a minion of a creature that devours worlds. The sound Lavos from Chrono Trigger makes is what it sounds like when they're getting sucked into the computer. Oh, yeah, that's what the noise was. You reminded me of something. So back in the desolate wasteland, Laserbeak, who I guess is controlled or something by the kids, just plummets out of the air, and then Megatron just steps on him. And Laserbeak is the size of a camcorder. Yeah. Because he is a camcorder. That's hard. Yes. A, a a a government cheese orange camcorder. Yeah, I never saw a camcorder that color. Well, he was supposed to be, I think, red and black, but he also has a gun mode. Mm. Ah. And that did not fly. Yeah. So he's yeah. very orange. <laughs> oh, and, and uh, then then Megatron goes back to fighting Optimus Prime and says, "Take this before throwing a pathetic jab." Yeah, this it's not even a not take this. It's just scene. take this, funk. Like this is this is worse than a G one. We're just gonna stand on two sides and shoot lasers at each other. Fight scene. <laughs> and but speaking of things that are worse, 
Ah, uh, here comes Billy and Fred to find that their friends are just zombies, I guess. Because they have access to the Autobot base. They know. apparently do. Yeah, they do. Because that's totally a thing that should be happening. Yes. But Fred is mostly worried that he's going to miss lunch because his blood sugar is getting dangerously low, Billy. Uh, yeah. It's not good. It's not good. And meanwhile, the uh, the kids and the minicons are floating here in space like this. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Rad insists it's his dream. Carlos and Rad fly around in the background while Alexis actually tries to figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah. And then Sideways shows up and says, hey, you're in cyberspace. I I rule this dimension. You can't you can't escape. You're trapped here for eternity. Hey. Which leads to the scene that no one will be seated during, the intense internet Vespa chase sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are they are beating the heat to the digi beat. Awesome. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, this is where the, the Minicon forms seem worse. It's like, okay, you got a Vespa, fine, skateboard, got rockets on it, as skateboards do, and a, you have to pedal the bicycle transformer. <laughs> I mean, doesn't have he might be pedal. pedaling for him. He's clearly pedaling. And Maybe he's just got his feet on there, and they're, it's moving for him. Why'd you take your feet off, stupid? No. <laughs> uh. I mean... Yeah. But he's not actually tired because he's not really there. It's, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because they're, they're children breathing in space. Well, cyberspace, yeah. space. It's, well, there's, there's a by long... By the end of the sequence, it's outer space. Yeah, yes. there's a long series of shots, just still images of backgrounds of galaxies and stuff, which admittedly look pretty but are wasting time. You're not animating anything. No. You, you may be giving the background artists more work, but animators are lazy. And uh, yeah, they they approach an illusory uh, Cybertron. We get a couple of uh, upcoming toys that you can buy. Uh, they are. I uh, could not tell what the hell they were. Uh, that was Tidal Wave, uh, pursued by Jetfire. Oh, the the first one kind of looked like the Galvatron spaceship from Transformers the movie. Yeah, it also kind of looks like Shockwave. Yeah, a little bit with the cannon. Which maybe makes sense because he is Shockwave in Japan. Oh, yeah. Wave, wave. The wiki says that the first bright, one of the brightly colored objects is Jetfire in his Cybertronian form, which is drawn as a G1 Jetfire. Oh, that's what threw me off. So it, it was just what? a Veritic. Oh yeah, looking at that, I can see it. And it's, it's vague enough though that Harmony Gold is not going to sue. Okay, I was going to say, was it Skyfire, like the the cartoon no, it, design? But yeah, no, it looks more like the Veritech? classics toy. And uh, then the okay. other one is Tidal Wave, supposed to be in Cybertronian form, which is just Shockwave, because in Japan, Tidal Wave's name was Shockwave. Sure, sure, that's fine. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Armada likes to throw these completely random like meaningless G1 nods in there. I, I love the progression of them heading towards Cybertron. First there's just a lens flare and then one of them describes it as 
beautiful. The other one says it must be Cybertron for some reason. Yeah, you could clearly identify Cybertron from just this glowing point on the horizon. What? I mean, it's, it's not like it's going to be Mars or anything. No, it's got to be Cybertron. And then I guess we're headed to Cybertron, but the real question is, why? This question will not be answered. Nope. <laughs> and then, is that stock art or is that original art for Cybertron here? I think it's the stock art from the Cybertron that we've seen previously on the show. Okay. I think it might have also been in the opening. Yeah, they just pass through it and then sideways uh, has Sure Shock in his fist and says, you know, everything, it's an illusion. Oh. But then this gives Alexis the idea, hey, if this is all an illusion, you would just, and if you're in control of this, you would just take our minicons and leave us here to, I don't know, float forever in the vastness of space. You know, like you do. So Shershock is convinces, I guess, herself, because Shershock is technically supposed to be female, but I think they use male pronouns on this show. Uh, Shershock being the scooter. Yeah, I think so, but yeah, I think, I think she's that's... She's also named RC in Japan. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So this somehow makes Sideways' hand into code... Oh, yeah, because they're it just the internet. Poofs out a piece of binary. Yeah. <laughs> you know. The animation, it's, I don't know if I'd call it lazy, but it's clumsy. Yeah. It conveys things in the most clunky, unintuitive way. Yes. Oh, and also sideways is Homer Simpson. How so? What? After, uh, Sure Shock escapes from his fist. He goes, why you little... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sideways is not terribly... This is not his most dignified hour. No. Because, yes, he's acting like he's all... Like, this is his thing. It's not his thing. They they know it's not his thing. Yes. It's something that he's afraid of. Yeah. And what is he afraid of? Well, it, it's chasing them. And it's, it's a big planet with... Uh, the big ring around it, and it's got horns, and it is astonishingly Unicron. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! This was a big surprise at the time. Yeah, this is back before we started to expect Unicron a lot. I can't remember if this was before or after they revealed that there was a Unicron toy coming. I think at this point we knew. Okay. But I could be wrong. I remember one of those things was a huge surprise because, you know, a Unicron toy was one of those things that was batted around as something that was ridiculous and completely impossible. Yes, because they didn't make one during G1 because he'd just turn into a ball. And then one almost came out during Beast Wars Neo but was cancelled. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why, but it looked kind of crummy. It, it looked a bit overwrought. Yes. It looked like a Unicron-shaped figure wearing two halves of a planet on his back. Yeah, the proportions <laughs> were not so good. The, the one we did get is more Unicron-y sized with chunks on his legs. It's really good. Extra wings. Yeah, that is... Uh, I'm, Armada was, in general, a good toy line, but that uh, that Unicron is a real uh, crowning achievement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That they keep pumping yeah. out again and again and again. <laughs> That's why they oh, keep yeah. making it. So, yeah, they somehow... So, yeah, they they escape this thing sideways, apologizes, uh, tells them not to tell anybody about it, and they just go back. Possibly <laughs> yeah, don't, thanks to Red Alert. Don't tell any of the grown-ups well, about what just happened here. That's totally 
legit. I think it's Don't more... tell them about my cyber van, kids. <laughs> I think it's more thanks to Fred, because he points out, hey, look, at the laptop's messed up. Because everybody else is just standing in a line. All the Transformers just standing in a line. What's the problem? I don't know. I think everyone's a weird color. Wait, how did they get information out of the laptop if the virus wiped the drives? That is a very good oh. question. They didn't. <laughs> Maybe the virus didn't wipe the drives. Maybe Alexa was just misconstruing what was going on. Yeah. To, you know, be something rational that might have actually been happening rather than what was actually happening, which made no sense. And Maybe no Red Alert would... had a file recovery tool and it deleted everything, but it didn't actually, like, do the cryptographic, let's wipe with random ones and zeros to make it unrecoverable. So they're just like, oh, we'll restore all this from the recycle bin. Okay, that's what's going on. <laughs> the rest yeah. of Sideways' plan seemed to bad incompetence, so... <laughs> True. It was not a good plan. So the kids wake up. They they find out that you know everybody's fine, except La- Red Alert tells them. Unfortunately, Laserbeak did not survive. Oh, here he is. Yeah. What the hell is with that? That like just. Oh my God, he's the biggest jerk. Like, did they just not check to see if he was dead and not bring his body back or anything? I assume that Red Alert was them? screwing with them. I guess, but... And that's that's how I read that scene, was Red Alert was just screwing with them. Or, like I'm an sorry he died, but we built you a new one. Yeah, but <laughs> it's weird that, like, the way it's delivered, it's like they were translating and having the the dub actors say it live. It was like, oh, look, he's being dead. Oh, shit, he's back in the next frame. Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> I was just kidding, kids. Haha, uh-huh, your friend's not okay. dead. But look at your faces. <laughs> Man. And, uh, yeah, so, but everybody, you know, everybody has a a big end of Super Friends laugh. But they're still wondering, you know, what was that uh, sinister evil force? That they seem to have half forgotten, which is weird. Yes. And Rad closes with saying, sometimes he can't believe this wasn't all just a dream. Which, A, it basically was, down to the plot of, Oh, this is all in our heads, therefore we can do whatever we want and you have no control. Yeah, and it was B, just a cyber dream. And B, what is with Rad randomly narrating in the past tense? <laughs> it's Wonder oh. Years. The show oh, is actually... Got Daniel Stern, or Daniel Stern's non-union Canadian equivalent. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that is Chase, which uh, unfortunately despite uh, the title was not about uh, the police car from Rescue Bots. Aw, or any throttle bots at all. Or uh, that Giorgio Moroder uh, music from uh, Midnight Express. <laughs> or Chip Chase. Aw. Or a rare toy. <laughs> or it was Chase not... Meridian, uh, Nicole Kidman from Batman Forever. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. After this, uh, Unicron would become an increasingly big part of Armada, up to the point where it, the show was subtitled The Unicron Battles. And at one point, one of the Minicons speaks long enough to deliver the, the terrifying line, Unicron is scary, Unicron will destroy space. <laughs> it's just like, that's more than a little scary, kid. That's, yeah, that's horrifying. Yep. Destroy space. So yeah, this is 
the animation is not great. The voice acting is unenthusiastic, mm. and the, the show did get better as it went on. Bits of the animation but, uh, are good, like the few moments early in the episode when the Autobots and Decepticons were sort of not fighting. Yeah. But since the entire episode focused on the kids and the animation was cheap. <laughs> yes. But I'm probably the most frustrating thing about Armada is that the show is mediocre, but the toy line was so good. So yeah. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of my, my head cannons that I tout so much were, you know, inspired by actual things. Uh, the comic series was pretty good up until they put Simon Furman on it and then just told him to do random G1 stuff. There was some, some really ugly editorial meddling there, uh, in, in the late part of the series. But. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the whole concept of the minicons had so much potential that was just not used. Not in the show. For the toys, oh, so much fun with minicons. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am predisposed to like tiny transformers, but the minicons are legitimately very good. Yes. Yeah, because. My. The, the short version of my headcanon for the Minicons was that they were basically, as as a race, that universe's equivalent of the Matrix. But like huh. movie style, or not movie style, like comic style. So basically, each of them had a little bit of Primus's soul in them. Oh, yeah. I could As toys, they're... And that was just... why they powered the others up. Oh, they are just my cousins. But it, as toys, they're just so fun because... Is it the entire, is it the, like, the only one line where, like, the gimmick is in every toy, and so integral to every toy? I think so. I know. Yeah, I was noticing that with Energon, that, you know, it, it was not, it did not span the entire line. No, I think only the Autobots had the uh, power linking thing, and only some of them had it. Yeah. Gay... It's pretty gay. Yeah, I don't think any of the basics had. I think the basics had energon weapons instead. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's the and none of the uh, the the bigger the the ultra or leaders had it either. No. Uh, and none of the Decepticons had anything. I think every Cybertron thing had a Cybertron key, but that's that's true. That's, I, that's less of a gimmick feature. That's just instead of pressing a button or sticking a minicon on it, here, stick this transparent piece of plastic in it, and it'll do the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Although when they re-released stuff originally designed in Armada during that, they retooled it to require using the key for stuff, too. So yeah. they yes. definitely were committed to it. It's just it wasn't a very good gimmick. No. <laughs> not not no. as much fun as the minicuts. Because, like, I, in the Titan Masters line now, I think everything sort of uses the little, or, or at least has a spot to put the little head guys. Where they can sit. Yeah, because there are some of the smaller guys, like well, like uh, the cassette guys, who yeah. don't use any Titan Masters, but I guess there are little bits where they can ride it at least. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the closest thing I can think of to minicons everywhere. So many minicons. So many. Yes. So many reductions. I, I, for a while, attempted to be a completist with them. So, so, so many minicons. <laughs> Make it stop. So you could be a mold completist reasonably easily, but yeah, there, there was just redecos of redecos, and, and oh, and Japan kept putting out sets of more and more, and the 
DVD, blind oh, was, pack was it DVD sets exclusive and DVD ones? sets yeah. and like sets where each one came. Like there was a trio of them, the uh, the the female ones, uh, which were adorably pink and white, and there was a very cute little comic about. Uh, but I think I ended up paying one hundred and thirty dollars for that set of three mini cons because they each one came with a DVD. Yeah, they were just pack-ins with the DVDs, <laughs> and DVDs are already ridiculously expensive in Japan. So, yeah, that was a thing. And then I think there were some that were only available at like certain Japanese convenience stores. Yeah, yeah that's there, still there something some they try to do every once in a while. There were like a bunch of clear ones. Actually, I think a lot of the clear ones were were like that. And there were yeah, there were just exclusives all over the place in Japan. Yeah, I I had friends who were very bad influences when it came to to consumerism <laughs> and uh, 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 so that was. I mean, the good thing about that was when I started going through my collection and selling things, I made a good chunk of money off of, you know, really, really rare mini-cons. So, yeah, that is uh, that is Armada. We, uh, you know, as a whole, it was, the show was not great. Toyland was great, but it made money like crazy for uh, Hasbro. Oh, yes, yeah. Which is good. Actually, I thought of something that didn't come up uh, last week when we were talking about Robots in Disguise. Was that I recall part of the issue with Hasbro being in trouble financially at that point was because they had poured so much into the Phantom Menace. Oh. Oh, right. Well, that makes yeah. sense. There were a lot of those, uh, you know, boss nasses hanging around for a couple of years. Yeah, that was I, – I heard that that was part of why Hasbro as a company was was struggling at that point. And, yeah, at this point they were still kind of, you know, not in the best shape, but they were getting better. And, yeah, Transformers was something that ended up – I think around this point was when they started actually focusing more on their in-house, you know, their own brands instead of the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I, I, I seem to recall their subsequent uh, Star Wars prequel lines were uh, less extensive. Yeah. I, I did notice with The Force Awakens, it really felt like a lot of – I realize Hasbro is even barely a licensee at this point because, you know, they are owned in part by Lucasfilm now. Uh, but uh, I, I noticed that a lot of licensees uh, held – hedged their bets by putting out piles of original trilogy stuff <laughs> alongside or even instead of the – the Force Awakens stuff. And All yet right. we still got Constable Zuvio. <laughs> did indeed. That, that's just the weirdest thing. They have not learned their lesson. The lesson. I mean, admittedly, I, I, I you know, short of turning this into the, the Star Wars action figure podcast, I, I imagine that they were tasked at that point with putting out things that would not be spoilers. Yes. And man, Constable Zuvio is not a spoiler. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> a negative spoiler. It's absolutely not a spoiler. I do want to kind of mention two of my favorite, more esoteric things to come out of Armada. One, the pack-in comics from the toys, or more specifically, the so bad people wrote a parody of it, Jam comic. Oh, uh, yes. Jam! Yeah. <laughs> 
those comics were cute, but yeah, they were not great because they were trying to condense a lot into a little space, and and it just became became yum jam. Well, because they, yeah, were, they were produced were they by trilingual. Yes, they were trilingual. Yeah, that did. That. Yes. So that was part of the problem was that the speech bubbles were huge. But yeah, they were and they were not a mini comic format. Yes, it's not. And also, did well. A video game studio named Melbourne's House, being published by Atari, put out a Transformers Armada game that came out right as the series was coming to a close. Oh yeah, that game. And it was actually really good. Yeah. I have not played it, but I hear good things. Yep. It's fun. You can play as. I want to say Optimus, Hotshot, and Red Alert. And yeah. they give you reasons to transform while you're getting around and reasons to collect different minicons while all give you different powers. And one of the levels has you fighting through a Decepticon-controlled battleship. And then <laughs> at the end, you get dumped out onto a beach, and it turns into Tidal Wave, and you have to fight the entire battleship. <laughs> yeah. Oh. One, of, one of the levels is Tidal Wave. <laughs> Neat. It's pretty great. And this was, like, before Shadow of the Colossus came out, and they were doing really cool stuff with scale like that, so... Yeah. Kind of ahead of its time. Yeah, hmm. I, I'm sure the primary reason it was underappreciated was because it was Armada and not, oh, G1, but... Yeah. So, yeah, that is Armada, so... But don't worry, we'll be back next week, and we are going from bad to worse. Oh, dear. We are going to absolute pants. Oh, man. <laughs> it's bad. So bad. Is Transformers Energon easily the worst television show ever given the Transformers name? Yeah. And we'll be watching it for you, dear listeners, so please, thank us. <laughs> I mean, it won't be quite like Chris McFeely who watched the entire series for the wiki. Well, no, I mean, we're, we're not going, we're not willing to descend into gibbering, into gibbering <laughs> madness here. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we, until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, uh, we are on Facebook, and we're on Tumblr. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help support our hosting fees for this and our news podcast, Iacon Underground Radio, that is available at patreon.com slash Underground. And you can find us uh, both on iTunes and on Google Play, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. And wherever you do, please rate and review us. Uh, and, you know, if you want to uh, tell us about your experiences with Armada or any other uh, entry in the Edukron trilogy, write into the Maxim Mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. So, until next time, when we are imprisoned by terrible animation, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Why my shoulders hurt? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
I, I think between that and uh, a, a a certain anime, I've I've started like the three episode rule of giving something three episodes because I found often three episodes oh, yeah. like at the end of the third episode something in anime yes yeah, something know. big will happen usually and it will affect how you feel about continuing especially but murdering people. Referring to Madoka Magica, which takes a, which has a massive mood shift at the end of the third episode yeah. that basically is, is when the show really becomes what it is. Yeah. Well, a lot of shows kind of do that, or, or it becomes more important. And third episode is like, oh, somebody dies in a lot of shows. Or, okay, and did, that, that with, with Breaking Bad was where he had the, the guy in the basement and the guy's like all, all warmed up to him and he's like, it's, it's gonna be okay. And then he realizes that the guy took a shard of the broken plate and is gonna fucking shiv him. <laughs> I was like, yes, I approve of the show now. It's, it's not gonna be about how this guy is really okay. It's going to be about how this guy is really okay, but also he will fucking shank you. Because that's the thing is, I, I assumed that nothing he was saying was a lie. That, you know, he was actually all of that stuff. It's just that then he would also just turn around and shank him. Because people are fucking complicated. Well, you know, AMC originally wanted uh, Matthew Broderick to play the lead. Oh, oh, that would have been so horrible. I, I sometimes like Matthew Broderick and things. Name a Matthew Broderick thing you have liked in the last 20 years. Uh, he was good on 30 Rock. Um, comedy, okay. Guest spots. Okay, I am in the office. I have noodles. How long ago was the producers? Not that I actually saw it, but I've heard enough good things about it. That was less than 20 years uh, ago. Like Probably going on 15 yeah. at this point, though. Grab my water um, bottle. But yeah, I am prepared. 